So yesterday in our catechism studies, we were talking about private property and land and the difference that, that can, we can see uh, in the passing of generations. Say, for example, <coughs> grandparents. Uh, they're the ones maybe who have to clear the fields, dig up the roots of the trees, t take out the stones, maybe level a certain area, fill in a bit of a quarry, um, drain the land, okay? Then the next generation, uh, they have now have fairly good fields, all as well, so now they can consider expansion, and buying up some of the neighbours. Then the third generation after that, now they've, they've received everything for free. Third generation, the, the grandchildren, they just kind of come along and all the work, all the hard work is done. They just kind of live from the profits. You know, it's, it's a much easier uh, scenario for them. Uh, all the hard work is done. And that can also lead then to that generation appreciating what they have much, much, much less because they got it for free. Uh, or when you think of uh, a nation that has had to fight for independence, you know, you can imagine straight after <clears throat> any in war of independence, people treasure their freedom so much, that their sense of, of culture, their sense of, of their own identity is so strong because they've had to, to fight for it, they've had to bleed for it. Some of their maybe family members have had to die for it. So then this, this newfound freedom, this newfound uh, uh, permission, if you will, to have your own property and, and to, to live and trade and all that kind of thing, is <clears throat> so appreciated by that generation, by the generation who suffered for it. But then it's interesting to see how two, three generations later, how quickly that can just be forgotten. Uh, the principles, the, the faith of those who, who died to liberate the country or save the country. It's similar when it comes to our understanding of, of the Eucharist. Uh, it's, it should not be this way, but it is. It should not be. Uh, <clears throat> so often it's in, in times of difficulty, in times of adversity, that's when we really discover who God is. You know, in, in times of suffering, in times of loss, in times of grief, in times of poverty, that's when there is a, a, a much greater openness in our heart to God. In times of suffering, that's, that's when you really learn to pray. And as you learn to pray, that's when your relationship with God deepens. So it's, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't have to be this way. But it just seems that we find it difficult to learn in another way. And I think if there, if there was a better way, if there was an easier way, the Lord would use it. And if we could just deepen our relationship as it is without the cross, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's really possible. I think, I think loving through suffering is what really teaches us how to love, loving through suffering, loving through the cross. So in our present day, things are quite comfortable, things are quite easy, things are quite affluent. Uh, on the grand scheme of things, and I, I know poverty is always relative, but on the grand scheme of things in Ireland, there's, there's very little real abject poverty where people can't afford three meals. I'm not sure if that's, if that's very common at all, apart from people on the street. Our social welfare system is very good. Uh, so if, if someone, like as I said, there's poverty, actual poverty, uh, real poverty. There's no reason for that in Ireland today, unless someone has, has squandered their own resources. But that's, that's a different story. We're not asking that now. The point being, when we get these things for free, when our, our freedom, when our faith when the Holy Eucharist is handed to us and we haven't had to do anything for it, it's very, very easy for us to, 
just not really care. Because, yeah, fine, Eucharist, not Eucharist. Holy bread, Jesus. What's the difference, really? Do you know, it's, it's just this makes no difference to us at all. I was thinking of the uh, Eucharistic Congress here in 1932, uh, here in Ireland. <clears throat> there were pictures circulated around the, the time of the last Eucharistic Congress, um, kind of comparing the, the, the two Congresses, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, what was just very interesting to see was there was a priest walking past with the Blessed Sacrament. And there were people kneeling down in the mud, kneeling down in the field in mud as the Blessed Sacrament passed. And it's, I, know it's just, I know it's just one photo, and I know it's, it's, just, uh, it's not indicative of maybe the whole country, <coughs> but it did say something powerful. Back then in the 30s, did people believe in the Eucharist? Did people come out for Corpus Christi processions? Did people pray the family rosary? Absolutely. Was Ireland poor? Well, yeah. 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 In, in their suffering, they call out to the Lord. In their suffering, they, they, they reached out to the Lord. And in their suffering, they, they found him. They found him. St. John Vianney said, not to go to Holy Communion is like someone dying of thirst beside a spring. Not to go to Holy Communion is like someone dying of thirst beside a spring. So beside a source of water, beside what ex- exactly what you need. But to not go to Holy Communion, craziness. We receive the Eucharist so easily that it becomes very easy for us to disregard it. I tell you most solemnly, if you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have life in you. Anyone who does eat my flesh and drink my blood has eternal life. And I shall raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. In the account of the Last Supper, okay, one step further back, in the Passover meal, I won't go into the details, but uh, part of the Passover meal was that a lamb would be taken. A lamb without blemish, that lamb would be, would be sl- killed, slaughtered is the word, but there you go. Uh, and the blood would be uh, painted over the doorpost of the house with a hyssop branch. <coughs> then the flesh <coughs> would be cooked and eaten. In the Last Supper, fast forward a thousand years, uh, the Last Supper, Jesus is there with his apostles. And in, we don't hear anywhere in the Gospels about a lamb during the Last Supper. There was no lamb. So they, 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 there was dipping of bread in dishes. We hear that. Yeah, <clears throat> a bit of herbs and so on and so forth. But there was no lamb. Now this would have been just close to kind of catastrophic for, for a Jew. We don't have something similar. I don't know. It's, maybe for us it's kind of like Christmas without having turkey or something if you're into turkey, uh, or Christmas cake, or something like something that that's quintessentially part of the meal. Christmas pudding, Brussels sprouts, no one likes them, but they're always there, okay. Um, but, like, it's just, to have a meal, like, you, you'd notice, you'd notice if you came down to your Christmas dinner, and there were potatoes and vegetables, and no turkey or no ham. Like, you'd, whereas, you know, something would really, it would be pretty obvious, something's missing, especially to, you know, to, to, to those who are very much carnivores. You'd, you'd miss it. Okay, so the apostles are celebrating the Last Supper and there's no lamb. There's no lamb. Like, th- they would have noticed. 
they would have celebrated Passover every single year <clears throat> of their lives. And, and there's no, like, where, where, why? Are we, did we forget? Are we supposed to? Are we getting something from the neighbors? What's? So they, they would have noticed that something was wrong here. Something is different. But even in the Last Supper, the point wasn't just that you had a symbolic lamb in some way present. As part of the, the Passover rite, you had to eat the lamb. So then at the Last Supper, we have Jesus speaking about himself. John the Baptist who reveals him as the Lamb of God years before. Jesus then, Jesus who is the priest, Jesus who is the sacrifice. But the Last Supper, it doesn't stop there. Uh, it's not enough to kind of have a symbol, Jesus, the symbolic lamb, present at the, the Last Supper. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have life within you. This isn't just kind of mere symbolism or it's just, it represents, I don't know, our, our past, our history or something. Jesus says, like, part of the, this, this, me, this Last Supper meal is that you must eat the flesh of the lamb. So in the last, sorry, part of the, last, part of the Passover meal is that you must eat the lamb. Part of the Last Supper meal then also is that we must consume the lamb. We must receive Holy Communion. This is what the Lord asks us to do in order to, to have life within us. He gives his life for us. He gives himself to us in the Eucharist. And anyone who does eat my flesh and drink my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me and I live in him. Why wouldn't we want that? What a gift. What a gift to be able to receive Holy Communion every day for us here in Holy Family or for those who are able to, to go. Saint John Paul II said, through adoration, the Christian mysteriously contributes to the transformation of the world. So Eucharistic adoration, so the same idea for the Mass, <coughs> which is, <clears throat> the root of adoration. Through the celebration of the Mass, the Christian, us, we, contribute to the transformation of the world. This is so much bigger, so much more profound than we could ever understand. And we get to do this every day. We should never get familiar with this. We should never just get used to it. We should never just be, this should never just be something ordinary, just another Mass. We get to, to receive the Lord in Holy Communion, the greatest treasure the world has ever seen, Christ himself. So we ask the Lord today, especially for the prayers of our Blessed Lady, for an ever deeper, an ever more profound, an ever more reverent love for the Lord in the Eucharist, that we may truly experience what it means to live through his flesh offered for us. Amen.